you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. We just never lost in Vegas, so and that's the bottom line. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the post-Super Bowl NFL Report. Mm-hmm. I'm Steve White with my co-pilot, James Palmer. And that sound you heard was tied in Travis Kelsey last June at a golf tournament in Hawaii that I hope MC for Patrick Mahomes Foundation, where he made it abundantly clear, we don't lose in Vegas, JP. And we, we saw Sunday, they sure as hell don't. They do not, Steve. We have a slam pack show today. We have Nate Taylor from The Athletic for the chief side of things. We have Matt Moyoko from NBC Bay Area on the 49ers thing. Ian Rappaport's going to break down what it might take to move up to number one and get that spot from the Chicago Bears. But we're going to start with bigger news. And the guy of the hour, Patrick Mahomes, I had to ask Brett Veach, the general manager, on the field in Las Vegas, you thought he was the best player on the planet when you evaluated and moved up to trade for him. Now, what's your evaluation, Brett? No different. I mean, you know, I, I kind of thought if you just held no field goal, Pat will find a way, and I am not surprised at all. In fact, there was an air of confidence, you know, in our in our stands. We were sitting, you know, once they hit the field goal, we kind of all said, we're going to win this thing. We're going to win this thing because that's how good Pat is and that's how much faith and trust we have in him. So, um, you know, he's the best, and... Um, you know, when you play the Chiefs, you got to score touchdowns, man. You can't yeah. put the ball in 15 tens. You it's, it's game over. He did or, not lie. He did over. not tell a lie or right there, JP. it's game over. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, All right, JP. Let's get, let's get to bigger news, man, because it, it is absolutely that time. So, the bigger news. Patrick Mahomes doing it again, winning his third Super Bowl and third Super Bowl MVP, or that great Chiefs defense limiting Niners receivers George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel to a total of zero touchdowns, 86 yards, and eight catches. This is tough, and I want to talk to defense, and I hope you give me the opportunity to, but I have to say it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, we are entering rarefied air now as at 28 years old, he already has the third most postseason wins of all time, only behind Tom Brady and Joe Montana and what he was able to do late in this game. And I want to specifically talk about what he did with his legs. I had a conversation with David Girardi, their quarterback coach on the field after the game, and he told me we were very calm heading into that overtime. Our conversation on the sideline was this. If they keep sinking back, Steve, take the underneath stuff and use your legs, and you're seeing him do it again right here. Their faith in him as a runner is much more than probably people think. And when I've talked to his personal people around him that work with him, they believe that the Chiefs think he can take hits like a running back. He can move just as well as anybody else on the field. They put in work so he knows who and where he can go on the field, who he can run around. It's just every added element he has to make him the best player on the field when things aren't even going right just makes him all the more unstoppable. And adding that element in the fourth quarter, just you knew once he took the field, just like Brett Veach told us, they kicked a field goal, Mahomes is going to go down there and get a touchdown. And in a Super Bowl against a team as good as the Niners, Steve, to have that thought while we're sitting next to each other in the press box is remarkable. Yeah, just like, okay, he's got this. They're really going to do this for us. We're going to talk to Matt Mayoko of NBC uh, Bay Area Sports uh, a little bit more about that. But it's obviously Patrick Mahomes. Like you said, we're watching history right now. We're seeing Tom Brady and Peyton Manning with the ability to run. And we saw, you know, Mm -hmm. some of these quarterbacks, especially in crunch time, think they've got to make the spectacular play to win the ballgame. He's like, no, I'm seeing Travis Kelsey get manned up against Fred Warner, one of the best linebackers in the NFL. We're going to hit him on a crossing route because Kelsey has his body towards him and he's got the speed on him. So let's just go ahead and make that work. We're seeing highlights here of Rasheed Rice. He's just taking it. We don't need to, don't need to win it right away. Right. We're just going to do what we mm-hmm. have to do because that's how we've had to win for the past three years when defense has started to change when they played it. 
So, JP, I hope everybody, you know, a big question all week, and I hate it because it's kind of lazy commentary, is what, what do you say to people who are getting tired of the Chiefs' success? I'm like, well, you better enjoy it because number 15 is that dude, and he is not going anywhere. And to add, he's got to be one of the most likable people in the NFL. <laughs> he really is. Not, totally respect everything about Patrick Mahomes. It, it is remarkable. And I mentioned I want to mention the defense because Trent McDuffie yeah. told me on the field, Steve, after the game, he, I said, what would you guys change? He goes, Spags came to us in the, in the secondary and said, we're going man. I'm going to lean on you. Our front's going to take care of the run. We need you guys to take care of business. And I saw these stats, and they blew me away. They went cover zero, Steve, 21% of the time. The average against Ooh. the 49ers, six. Cover one. 40% of the time, the average for the year, 23%. He went, man, 64% of the time. Teams only did that about 30% of the time against the Niners. And this group was able to go out and handle that entire group. Legereus Need told me, I want to take the hearts out of their chest. That's a talented, talented group back there that did things against the Niners formationally that nobody had the guts to do. And Steve Spagnuolo went out and did it. What's our next bigger news, Steve? We're going bigger news. The Niners players saying that they weren't aware of the playoff overtime rules or, JP, the botched punt return in the final moments of the third quarter that started four consecutive scores by the Chiefs, allowing them to tie the game and to go into overtime. I'm going to say the botch punt because what the Chiefs do is they hang around, they wait for a mistake, and then, bam, they pounce. Because I want to take you back to what happened before this punt. Remember, Steve, they come out of halftime. They, the snap goes bad. The pitch goes bad. They lose 12 yards trying to get to Isaiah Pacheco. Third and one, they have to call a timeout. I don't know why, right. but then they still don't get it in third and one. They punt, and then they get you know they get down back in you know their own territory once again. They had nothing going offensively until this mishap, and then one play touchdown, and they scored on every drive after. It was you know that play. And first off, that was not on Ray Ray McLeod, the punt returner. He was trying to get no, on that punt. Great point. After the ball hit a teammate. So, you know, people need to stop, you know, giving him grief. But that changed everything. The Niners, as is, is mm -hmm. ineffective as they were in terms of capitalizing on opportunities, that opened the door. You know, the Chiefs get the ball. They score on the next play on the touchdown pass, MVS, I believe. And that set things in motion. Yep. That's when everybody in that stadium felt, okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. Right? And then don't, don't forget, the Niners went down and scored a couple times after that, but they, they kicked field goals. And that was the huge mm -hmm. thing going on right here. The Chiefs were scoring touchdowns. The Niners were scoring field goals. You know, we're going to talk to Matt Mayoko about all of the discussion about the overtime rules. But frankly, had that mistake on the punt return not happened, I don't think we're going here. Let's also not forget the Niners had a PAT blocked. That's not getting enough discussion when it talks about them not capitalizing because if they convert that PAT – that game could have been over in regulation. That's a great point, Steve. We don't talk about special teams enough. We probably don't talk about Harrison Bucker enough of what he's done this entire postseason. Right. And then, oh, yeah, he bangs a 57-yarder on the next drive after you mentioned when the 49ers went down and answered. He had a brilliant, brilliant postseason for the Kansas City Chiefs. And speaking of the Chiefs, we're going to have Nate Taylor of The Athletic join the NFL Report next to talk about Andy Reid and how much longer is he going to be coaching in Kansas City. It could be years to come. All that more on the NFL Report next. You're listening to the NFL Report podcast, but you can watch me, Steve Weich, and my co-host James Palmer on the NFL Report at 7.15 Eastern Time on Mondays and Thursdays on the NFL app and free streaming platforms on the NFL channel on Roku, Tubi, Peacock, Pluto TV, and other free streaming apps. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. It's time for the lead block presented by T-Mobile for Business. A sport as fast as football deserves America's fastest 5G network. 
Businesses go further with T-Mobile for business. A touchdown wins the game. Play action fake. Right side throw. Touchdown. Kansas City. McCall Hardman. McCall Hardman with the catch. Kansas City wins the game. 25-22. And the Chiefs kingdom has started its own history class for the first time. In 6,944 days, there is a back-to-back Super Bowl champion, and it is the Kansas City Chiefs. If you're only listening to this as a podcast, you missed some brilliant pictures of the finish and the celebration after that Super Bowl. It was like a who's who of people. And the one picture that's standing out to me the most, as Nate Taylor joins us from The Athletic, Steve, is Mahomes on the ground with his hands up. And if you've seen the exact same picture of Michael Jordan with the ball laying on the ground in almost the exact same pose, that's the comp we're starting to have, Nate for Patrick Mahomes, but I want to go to the man before we start this chat that runs this entire thing, and that's Big Red Andy Reid, where there was speculation about him potentially retiring before this game. So that was the very first question I wanted to ask owner Clark Hunt when I had a chance to speak with him right after the game. Roll the tape, Elsie. What is your pitch as owner, Clark, to just make sure Andy stays as long as humanly possible in Kansas City? Uh, uh, my pitch to him is Patrick's under contract for another eight years. <laughs> now, I, I know Andy loves what, it, what he's doing. Uh, we certainly appreciate him as a family. Um, our organization is what it is because of Andy, and he's got a special relationship with everybody in it. I'm expecting him to be back next year, and we'll be going for the three-peat. Absolutely great stuff right there from Clark Hunt. So, Nate, let me let me bring you into this now because James and I, we know Andy well. We know people around him well. And without coaching, it seems like Andy would be almost lost. Was there ever any real thought from the people you've spoken with to him not coming back next season? No. No, Steve. Um, you know, it's been one of the more, I guess, fascinating subplots of this past season. The fact that Andy Reid could potentially retire. I know as it stands right now, he's the oldest coach in the NFL, but uh, he's still got multiple years on his contract. I actually think, you know, one of the things we can discuss maybe at the combine in a few weeks is will Clark give Andy Reid an extension, another one or two years onto his deal, just because I think Andy Reid could coach probably until he's about 70. Uh, You know, we saw his wife, Tammy, uh, on the field after the game. She clearly wants him to continue coaching. There's no rush from the family standpoint, for him to stop working. So given where he is right now, given where the franchise is, I expect Andy not only to coach in 2024, but likely 2025, 2026, and even 2028, as it currently stands right now, based on everyone I've talked to in the organization. There we go. There we go. Right? Nate, Nate, I had a really interesting nugget told to me on the sideline pregame Speaking to one of the coaches who's been tight with Andy he, for a long time now, and I said, is there any chance Andy retires? He was like, hell no. And this was the reason why, and I found this fascinating. He said, back when I started with Andy, it was about Andy sleeping on the couch till about week seven every year wow. where he felt like he had to spend all of his time at the facility finding a way to call the perfect game. And that's the way he felt about it. He said, you fast forward to now in the last couple of years, Andy is leaving the facility earlier and earlier and earlier because there is an added comfort level of working with Patrick, that he has an added feel that it is getting worked out probably faster. Mahomes keeps carrying more himself. The communication Mm -hmm. continues to grow. And if Andy's days aren't like what I described years ago, I'm not sure if that holds him back by any stretch and going years to come, if it's starting, I don't want to say the NFL is easy, but if it just the process of it during the week is less time consuming to some extent. Right. And you have to realize, too, that Andy Reid has never had it better. He's never had it this good, even though we all know he's a future Hall of Famer, but not only does he have the best quarterback in the league, but he has one of the best defenses in the league, which was the youngest unit mm-hmm. this season wow. on that side of the ball. So with everything going on, he still has Steve Spagnuolo. He still has Matt Nagy. Um, even Eric Bieniemy obviously is sort of out there as a free agent coach. I wonder if he will have 
some conversation with Andy about maybe potentially joining the staff again. Uh, obviously, he's got a collection of players. The most, you know, the, probably the two biggest free agents for the Chiefs are Legereus Need and Chris Jones. So if they're able to, you know, retain those guys, then obviously a three-peat is in real, uh, it's a real possibility, even despite the fact that the league is very hard, obviously, to win even back-to-back. So uh, because of the way everything Andy Reid has structured right now, I do get the sense that uh, there would be no reason for him to uh, burn the midnight oil the, the way he used to. But at the same time, he's got a lot mm-hmm. of trust with Brett Veach, the front office, and obviously his coaching staff that he's really maintained and cultivated over the last decade since he's been in Kansas City. Nate, since you just mentioned Legereus Sneed and Chris Jones, who you know are going to be free agents coming up, what is the focus on retaining them? Because the one thing we've seen out of the Chiefs the past couple of years They've gotten rid of big ticket players and continued to win. Yes. And just to name a few, uh, one of the bigger surprises with Tyron Matthew a couple years ago, they obviously right. replaced him with Justin Reed. Uh, Frank Clark is no longer on the team, right? Orlando Brown was a Pro Bowl left tackle. Uh, they let him walk in free agency. So there's obviously a chance that one of these guys may not be on the team next year, whether it's Legereus Sneed or Chris Jones. The easier way for the Chiefs right now, as it is in my you know perspective and what I've been told is, it's probably easier for the Chiefs to maintain luxurious need. They can obviously use the franchise tag if they want to have more time to negotiate with him on a potential two to three year deal to keep him you know over the course of the prime of his career. He's 27. It's going to be a lot harder potentially for Chris Jones just because one of the reasons his holdout was so interesting last year, Steve, is because he wanted the possibility to be a free agent. And now he's going to get that opportunity as an unrestricted free agent in basically a couple weeks. So the Chiefs are going to try their best to retain Chris Jones. They still want to get him under contract to some extent. Um, But, you know, right now I understand why pro football focus and why other services have him as the number one free agent in this year's draft, or excuse me, in this year's free agency class. And so for all that to be said, Chris Jones wants to stay with the Chiefs, but he also wants to be paid, you know, near the $30 million mark. That's something I reported last year. I don't think that's necessarily going to change because he helped the Chiefs win another Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So if there's a free agent team that wants to add, you know, some championship pedigree, some immediate pass rush help, Chris Jones is going to be very coveted come March. And for, you know, Andy Reid and Brett Veach, they're going to have to be very creative in terms of trying to structure a contract that makes Chris Jones feel like he's prioritized, like he's one of the highest paid defensive players in the league, but also you still have to have that cap flexibility considering Patrick Mahomes' contract obviously will continue right. to rise as he goes through his career mm-hmm. considering that he still has, you know, as Clark Hunt said, another eight years guaranteed on the deal as of right now. Yeah, and this is not just an outside edge rusher. This is a guy that can line up anywhere on the defensive line, stuff the run. The entire run concept is based off of yes. Chris Jones. Everything he does is phenomenal. And what you're saying, Nate, you know, you're able to let these guys go if you keep drafting players the way Brett Veach is. And he's going to have to pay some of those too. Remember, Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, yep. right around the corner, the keys to that offensive line are set to be paid coming off their rookie contracts. So all of that. We're looking at how that Brett Veach manages this. And we have to talk about the man, the myth, and really the legend now, Patrick Mahomes. You've been with him through all of this, and you've seen the numbers he's put up over some of these other years, but it was very interesting. On the last day availability, I was having a private conversation with Matt Nagy where he told me this year actually might mean more to his career moving forward because of how he had to play and adjust than we're thinking. This might be a huge year in the growth of Patrick Mahomes. And to me, that's terrifying for the other 31 teams. It is because I think mentally he's just gotten so good that, you know, Steve Wilkes, you can kind of see it on the broadcast, particularly late in the fourth quarter and obviously overtime. What do I call right now to, to get my defense to put any pressure, to put any sort of advantage on that side of the ball? And obviously Patrick Mahomes, once he saw pretty much the 49ers had to offer, uh, he had the correct answer. He used his legs. He used a collection of playmakers, right? Um, He somehow got Marquez Valdez-Scanlon to be a viable option, even though Marquez had his worst season of his career. And I think from a leadership standpoint, kind of to add to what Matt Nagy told you, James, is he's become the ultimate leader now. His voice not only carries well, but he's able to use his actions to sort of fortify his own words. And most notably, what is fascinating to me is, you know, Rasheed Rice is wide open for the game potential winning touchdown at the end of regulation. But because Creed Humphrey has a low snap, 
you know, Rasheed Rice doesn't know that. So Patrick has to inform him in a very creative, expletive manner that, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I still have control over all of this, okay? I'm still going to use you. I'm still going to find you. Get ready for the next series. We just tied the game up. Keep your mind focused on what is necessary, not what is behind us now, because I couldn't get you the ball based on the scenario that was played out. Um, so Rasheed Rice is a rookie. He obviously wants to make a play. And then Patrick Mahomes obviously targets him on a big third down conversion against the blitz on a drag route. And it just sort of proves to me that, yeah, he's the ultimate leader now. He's become Manning, Tom Brady, whoever you want to add to the list in terms of I have understood everything around me. I know exactly what I need to say to get out of the guys. And I still have the most talent of anybody playing the hardest position in sports. And when you combine all those things, all those ingredients, yeah, a three-peat, as I've said before, is very likely because the 49ers played so well for about three quarters, and it yep. didn't matter, guys. I, I have to remind myself, getting on the plane, the Chiefs only scored three points at halftime. They won the game. Yeah, They won the game scoring yeah. 25 points. So, um, yes, he's reached a, a very, very rare level. Can you imagine Patrick to Rasheed Rice like, uh, chill out, son. Remember where your bread is yeah. buttered. Hey, Nate Taylor, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us, giving that perspective. You know, we come back on the NFL report. We're going to hear Appreciate from it, the losers of the Super Bowl. What about that overtime? How come the players didn't know? Mm. We'll be joined by Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area next on the NFL report. That's a wrap for the lead block presented by T-Mobile for Business. A sport as fast as football deserves America's fastest 5G network. Businesses go further with T-Mobile for Business. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Seven seconds, six. They are going to snap it. Mahomes going to roll to his right. Throws. Touchdown. The Chiefs have won the Super Bowl. Nicole Hardman. As they roll Mahomes right, Nicole Hardman is wide open. And the Chiefs win the Super Bowl back-to-back years. Another heartbreaking loss for Kyle Shanahan. Dang it! Okay, that was the game call. That's Greg Papa. And, JP, you could hear the pain and almost disgust in Greg's voice. And so now let's bring in Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area. Matt, this is not the first time you've had to chronicle a Niners shortcoming, but the storyline right now is the fact that some players said they did not know the overtime playoff rules. Walk us through what's going on, and frankly, is it that big of an issue with the way things played out? Yeah, I I guess you want your guys to know the rules. I don't know how that changes anything from a player perspective, though. But, yeah, it does seem odd, and you know, it wasn't like – um, you know, this was their first playoff game. You know, they, right. they had a bye week and then they faced Green Bay. Then they played uh, Detroit in the in the NFC Championship game. And then, of course, a bye week and then the Super Bowl. So it's not like this was the first game that they played under those new rules. Um, it, it seems to me that over the course of the playoffs, everybody would be a made made aware of the rules. So, yeah, that is that's kind of um odd uh to say the least and especially when you're talking about you know some of the smartest guys on the team didn't even know those rules so uh we're going to speak with with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch in in a little bit here in a couple hours and so I'll definitely ask about that just to see if that's something that they uh that it was an oversight or did they feel like maybe they're just giving the, the players too much information at that point? Hey, just run the play that's called and we'll handle everything else. Maybe they just didn't want to cloud the players' thought process in their head with more information than they needed. I don't know. It seems odd to me, but we'll we'll see what, what he has to say about that. Matt, with that real quick, because I'm kind of on the same thinking as you. Like, the players execute what is called. So I'm looking at it from why is this steered more towards right now, and maybe I'm missing something. Tell me if I am, honestly. More towards we're hearing the players not knowing 
what the overtime rules were, and less about why did they take the ball first? Because you're putting Patrick Mahomes in a position where he can go four down territory the entire drive, essentially. And that almost seems a little bit more difficult and with him knowing what he has to accomplish. Yeah, I, James, I didn't have any issue with it. And I'll tell you why. Okay. The Frayers defense yeah, was absolutely gassed. You know, they were, remember, mm-hmm. that defense was on the field for a 10 play drive that lasted 150. So we're talking rapid fire succession. And you could tell by the end of that drive that ended regulation with the short field goal that the 49ers defense needed a breather. The, the other, so to okay. put the defense right back out there on the field, I don't think was the right call at all. But, but I think Kyle Shanahan's decision making, or at least his explanation, was a little bit flawed because he didn't even bring that part of it up. He said the main mm-hmm. reason was because of they wanted the third possession. And you know, on face value, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. But it seemed to me that the Forty Yards had predetermined this is what we're going to do. This is what the analytics say is best without taking the game circumstances into account. And so I had no issue with them deciding Mm -hmm. to take the ball first because of the standpoint of it would have been putting the defense in a really bad position. So I didn't have any issue with that. The, The other part of it is, and I know it's Patrick Mahomes on the other side, and and you just kind of throw out everything you've seen up to that point. But the Kansas City Chiefs had really not gotten into the end zone at all up to that point, other than, other than a one-play 16-yard drive that was set up on a quick mm-hmm. turnaround where the defense had to get back out there after the muff punt. So, you know, settling for the field goal, I have no issue with that. You know, fourth and four, kick, take the points because your defense up to that point had been doing the job of keeping Kansas City out of the out of the end zone. So you know what? When you lose the Super Bowl and and 123 million people are watching, of course there's going to be second guessing. And the reason they're second guessing is because it didn't turn out the way the 49ers wanted it to. So everything, yep. overtime, play calling, everything is open to second guessing. Yeah, you lose, you have to find a goat and not the positive goat, yeah. but the old the old yeah. definition of goat as someone to dump it on. But I'm 100% with you in terms of them taking the ball. People forget they had two opportunities right down there wide open to get into the end zone. They just did not capitalize mm. in overtime. I up but Kyle's open. explanation of saying we wanted to have third possession, the Chiefs were like, if we get to go 75 on these guys, we'll go for two because that means we got them where they want them. But I, I want to I want to get to this now. When we when we talk about scapegoats, we'll make it that way in case you know, we don't confuse the goat analysis. <laughs> Is anything coming Brock Purdy's way? Because I thought Brock played fine against one of the best defenses in the NFL. Yeah, I don't think so. No, I, I think Brock Purdy played well yeah. enough to win this game. In fact, you know who, who's your game MVP if the 49ers make that stop on fourth and one in overtime. It's probably right. Brock Purdy, isn't it? I mean, some people might say yeah. Juwan Jennings, but you know, Juwan Jennings both had a have, great game. Both did have a good game. A few missed tackles there, um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, you know, who, who's who's going to be the the MVP? Brock Purdy was was solid. You, you know, he he didn't have a great game. Uh, he didn't give the ball uh, to the other team at all. Um, I think he he basically did you know what he was supposed to do. Um, you know, but again, like the 49ers didn't make the plays that were necessary. And that goes down to, you know, a, a blown pass protection, a blown assignment on the third and four play right. in overtime. You know, they weren't good on third downs throughout the game on offense. They weren't good on third downs when they had to be good on defense. So, you know, there were a lot of factors. I mean, you know, who's the goat of this game? You know, probably history will, will tell you that it's Kyle Shanahan again, you know, because of, all the history there too. I mean, we're talking about a very star-crossed uh, postseason and and uh, Super Bowl. Uh, you know, all the history of the Super Bowl with him. So, I mean, he will probably be the guy that takes the brunt of this. But you know, you're talking about a coach that in what four postseasons with the 49ers, they have eight victories and four defeats. So, you know, his 667 win percentage in the postseason is pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. But 
nobody cares about that unless you win the final game of the season. And at, you know, at this stage in his career, you know, now you're starting to wonder, wow, if not Sunday in Super Bowl 58, then when will it ever happen for Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers? Hmm. That's wild to think. I, I, I want to touch on this game one more time before we look back, Matt. And, and this game's so much about matchups, about adjustments and what you do. And, and Steve Wilkes and his unit and what they had in place for Travis Kelsey. In the first half, what, one catch for one yard. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, in the second half, you try to find different ways to free him up. What was being said in, in the locker room and the people you spoke with about maybe Wilkes' plan uh, for Kelsey and specifically for the receivers maybe playing off at times. What was the what was the discussion there and, and your opinion on the way the defense played, specifically in the second half? Well, just like in the NFC Championship game a year ago, an injury played a significant role in this. Yep. Dre, yeah. Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner are, in my mind, the best two inside linebackers in the game. You know, with their ability to go sideline to sideline, their athleticism, their coverage ability. And so when Dre Greenlaw was on the field, Travis Kelsey had one catch, one yard. When mm-hmm. Dre Greenlaw left the lineup, left the field on a cart, actually left the sideline on a cart in oh that very injury, yeah. that was oh, a game changer. You know, so that was something that, you know, when you replace him with a player who's not nearly as good, as him, and then that means the third linebacker coming in isn't as good as you know the, the or I should say the fourth linebacker coming in isn't as good as the third linebacker. That just has a cumulative effect. Now, I'm not saying, trust me, I'm not saying that if Dre Greenlaw were out there, he would have been Travis Kelsey would have been held to one catch for one yard in the second half. But you can't tell me that that did not play some kind of role. True, it absolutely did because you can scheme things differently. Real quick, Matt, moving forward, we know Brandon Ayuk. He could he could be hitting free agency. Chase Young. How how do the Niners keep this nucleus together, or do they want to keep this nucleus together? Oh, they're going to keep the nucleus together. There's no question. And I would say Brandon Ayuk is priority number one in the offseason. He turned into a really good route runner, wide receiver, just all around, you know, blocker, mm-hmm. everything. So he's everything the 49ers want out of the wide receiver position. And so how do they keep it together? I'll tell you. They keep it together by having one of the top quarterbacks in the league making a million dollars. You know, he's yeah. basically making, <laughs> he's making 45 to 50 times or under what he should be making. So they're able to keep that roster together. But no, I mean, th- there's issues. I mean, they, there's areas where they need to shore up. I think they need to look at the interior of their offensive line. They probably need more depth at cornerback. They probably need another wide receiver. Um, so there are areas that whether they will look at. I don't chase. I don't think Chase Young is coming back. I mean, that was kind of seen as a half the season rental when they got him in that trade from Washington. Mm-hmm. You know, they they got Randy Gregory. I, it would hard. It's hard for me to believe that that he's coming back as well. You know, I don't think they're going to keep pay a big sum of money to keep any of their their free agents. The good thing for them is there's not a whole lot of free agents. So the nucleus of the team is you know Trent Williams, Christian McCaffrey, uh, George Kidd. Debo Samuel, uh, you know, Brock Purdy, Nick Bosa, I mean, all, yeah, the, all those guys, Ward, all those guys Great. are coming back because, you know, they can afford it because of the quarterback situation. It's when they have to pay Brock Purdy, which will be a year from now. And yep. even then, I would think the first year of his contract is going to have a very low cap number. But when they have to start paying Brock Purdy, like in – relation to what the production they get out of Brock Purdy, that's when they're going to have to start having some salary cap issues and start making some some difficult decisions. But by then, there might be some obvious decisions to make as far as veteran guys. That's time to kind of move aside. But I, I mean, it, it's so tough to get back here. And the 49ers, you know, they've been in the final four of the NFL for four of the past five years uh, that now they've lost in the Super Bowl two of those five years uh, it, it's really difficult to get back here and just being around the team and seeing that long long road and then the heartbreak after they fall short but there's no reason to think that the 49ers cannot be a competitive team again next season and give it another run for a championship 
I'll just say this, Matt. I'm not saying anything that you don't know, but maybe the rest of America should pay more attention. When I was talking with Jerry Sneed on the field after the game, he was talking about Brandon Ayuk like he was trying to guard Jerry Rice. The amount of respect that Sneed had for Brandon Ayuk was through the roof uh, for what he had to handle throughout the course of that game. Matt, appreciate it. Even I always love Thanks, talking man. ball with you. Thank you for stopping by uh, the NFL report. Appreciate it. LC, roll this tape right here. We're moving forward to Ian Rappaport. And his report over Super Bowl week about what it would take to get up to number one. Ooh, where would Justin Fields be heading? We'll look at that too with Rap Sheet next on the NFL Report. You're listening to the NFL Report podcast, but you can watch me, Steve Weich, and my co-host James Palmer on the NFL Report at 7.15 Eastern Time on Mondays and Thursdays on the NFL app and free streaming platforms on the NFL channel on Roku, Tubi, Peacock, Pluto TV, and other free streaming apps. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, we're back at the NFL Report. And, JP, we are now joined by our guy, Ian Rappaport. Real quick, JP, like, like we worked our tails off in Vegas, but, like, this dude has us lapped. Because I don't think Ian sleeps. Yeah. Ian, how you holding up after the week in Vegas? Uh, you're wrong. I did sleep on the red eye back from Las Vegas about oh four solid hours. I uh, had a nice dinner at the California Pizza Kitchen before that at the airport. Got a okay. lot going on here, guys, but I'm doing well. Strong. <laughs> Strong. Okay, so Ian, we're coming off the Super Bowl, which means we are now into draft season. And over the weekend, you reported that the Chicago Bears are saying it would take basically historic type of compensation for them to come off the number one pick. Is this part of the pre-draft game that they're playing, saying, hey, if you want to come up, you're going to have to give us a lot? Or are they serious about that? Yeah, My feel is that they're very serious about it. And you're right. I mean, this has wide-ranging ramifications. Talk about draft season. It also affects free agency. Well, let's go into the draft part of it first. Um, I believe it to be very true that the Bears would need historic, crazy compensation to come off one. That goes to show you how special they think Caleb Williams is. Now, I know they're not there yet. They're still trying to get to know him as a person. A lot that goes into this evaluation, but that is where it stands right now with the Bears and with Caleb Williams. If they're going to make a move, if they're going to give up on a quarterback that they believe can be a franchise quarterback, then it would take something special. And Look, you never get the chance to draft number one. The fact that they got the chance to draft number one twice is just wild. And certainly they've made it count with the kind of draft picks uh, that they have acquired and that they have used and all of that. But that seems to be where they stand now. Planning to pick at number one unless something dramatically changes or they get offered something crazy. That would be an indication that they would trade Justin Fields for the right price. They should be able to get premium draft pick compensation for Justin Fields. Really came on late in the season. Looked excellent. It is a very, very quarterback-needy league. Uh, they're going to be get, able to get something really good for Fields. I want to circle back to Fields in a minute, but I want to stick with this picky. And like, If a team like Washington wants to come up from two, if what you're saying, obviously Chicago wants, what would they have to give up? Because that's only going one spot. They're probably going to say, we can't right. give up this much. We're only going from two to one. Does it almost make it harder? for a team that's closer to Chicago to try to get up to that one spot? Well, I think it's you're going to pay premium anyway. If it's a quarterback, if it's a quarterback trade, you're going to pay a lot. I mean, I remember when um, the Bears came up over the 49ers for Trubisky, and it was, I believe it was a two and change, if I remember. I could be wrong, right. but I think that's what it was. You guys can look it up while I'm talking. And, you know, that was for... That was for a quarterback. That's what it costs. One spot, mm -hmm. from three to two, at least to two. I would imagine to go from two to one, it would be at least a one and probably more because we could talk about the picks all we want. We could say from five to three, from nine to three, from three to one, 
Use the numbers all you want. But this is about players. It is about franchise quarterbacks. So the question isn't mm -hmm. what it costs to get from two to one. The question is what does it cost for the Bears to give up on the opportunity to draft Caleb Williams, who most people believe is a franchise quarterback? That's the value you're talking about. Whether it's from you know, one to two or one to nine, it is going to be incredibly expensive because it would have to be worth it for the Bears to say, we are okay not drafting this guy. Now, if you're the 49ers, you have Cliff Kingsbury, you coach Caleb Williams. Exploring it absolutely makes sense. I just don't know that it's actually going to happen. Right. I mean, the commander's right there. But, but Ian, here's, here's an interesting thing, and, and, and humor me on this. Let's say Washington and Chicago make that move. Chicago could now say, who wants to come to two and possibly get that yeah. pick and dangle? So they could really, that to me, when you, when you reported the historic Oof. hall, to me, that is the potential chess game that Ryan Poles could be playing here. 100%. I mean, you could go from one to two with the commanders for, let's say, a first-round pick and more, probably just to move from one to two. Then you could go from two to five, two to nine. There's a lot of different places. Or six, where are the Giants? The Giants are at six, right? Um, you know, you could move back. You could collect first-rounders. You could have endless first-rounders. It could be the greatest draft trade in the history of the world. I would compare that to what if Justin Fields is not the franchise quarterback you think? Or what if whoever else you take is not Caleb Williams? Draft picks are awesome. You want draft picks. You want everything you possibly can get. But all of that is against the backdrop of if you have Caleb, let's say Caleb Williams is Mahomes. Let's say he's Josh Allen. Yeah. Let's say he's Joe Burrow. Is anything worth it? Honestly, is any draft pick compensation worth it to say we're okay not having him for 10 years? Yep. And, and I, I listen to that, Ian, and what clicks in my head is when you have that player and you didn't have to give up picks to get them is even more important because we're looking at a team in Denver right. that thought they were getting a franchise pick, gave oh up a number of picks to get them, and then you look at the situation that you find yourself in if that's not the guy. It's different if it's not the guy and you didn't give up the haul for him. Look at Denver now. Where do we go with Russell Wilson? You mentioned it's a quarterback needy kind of offseason. What could maybe be some potential landing spots if he leaves? And legitimately, because you talked about this on Sunday, legitimately the chance he stays. Well, let me start first. It's more likely than not that he goes as opposed to staying. Like yep. the kind of season he had, he got benched. He threatened all sorts of stuff through his people with the NFLPA, took issue with. The way the Denver Broncos handled his, his contract situation, despite the fact that it was fully within the rules and eventually all this got sort of dropped and, and handled, um, could stay. And the reason I could say, I'd say he theoretically could stay is they both might go out there and go, you know what? we got to put our differences behind because it is better to be together than it is apart. If you're together, Russell Wilson doesn't have to find a landing spot and the Broncos don't need to have a quarterback who can compete uh, with what they have already on the roster in Jared Stidham. So coming together at least sort of makes sense. As far as a landing spot, I think what Russell Wilson will be looking at or probably should be looking at is a place where he can go in and be a bridge guy for a young quarterback. Maybe he starts all year and, and actually teaches. Maybe he starts for the first couple of games and that guy takes over. That's where Russell Wilson is in his career. Mm. And if he's realistic, then I think he could end up having a really good couple of years to finish this thing out. Well, Ian, it is, the contract is what's going to be a huge driver of this because no team is really going to want to take on that salary. And there could be teams who say, but, you know what? But, but, they wouldn't, but they wouldn't have to because soon, let's say the Broncos cut him right. or trade him and take on the whole salary, then it's going to be minimum. So if you're signing Russell Wilson, you're signing him for a million dollars and that's it. Thank you for that clarity. That's hugely important. Okay. And I'm glad you brought that up. Let's move on, though. You know, we earlier, you know, we spoke about – the Chiefs and Niners, Brandon Ayuk, Chase Young, guys like that for the Niners, Chris Jones, Legereus Sneed, superstars like that for both teams. Is there any realistic chance like any of these guys could be back with their respective teams? Yeah, let's start with the Chiefs first, right? So you got Legereus Sneed, who's in the final year of his deal, just finished the final year of his deal. Absolutely a franchise tag candidate. He is a great mm -hmm. player. We can talk all we want yes. about roster building from Brett Veach and all this. Like, this is how you do it, right? You find mid-round picks and they become superstars. Mm -hmm. This is literally how you do it. 49ers have a few too, don't get me wrong. But for the Chiefs, this is how you do it. So I would expect him probably to be back. 
Chris Jones is hard. He basically can't be franchise tag because the number would be too high. There's a lot of good feelings between him and the Chiefs. There's also a lot of discussions that they've had. James knows it's gotten tough. Contract-wise, it's been tough. The fact that he's back this year and balled out means his price tag is going to be very high. So certainly could be back, but I don't feel like that's a guarantee at all. And, you know, third contract for veterans is not generally the way that championship teams build. Um, James, I mean, is that – what do you think? You know the Chiefs as well as anyone. Am I on board on that? That's no, you're com- you're completely accurate on that, and and there's been a sense in, in Chris's camp that l- watch us ball out this year and watch the number continue to rise. And I think the last game he played, maybe the last game he plays in the Chiefs uniform, was just as good as we've seen him play. I mean, he was as disruptive to that Super Bowl as we saw anybody else on the field, oh, yeah. and played a huge part in it. That only helps Chris Jones, and that only helps where it's at. When Ian mentions the negotiations, I think you do have to put into account. Ian, you remember the first time he was going to get paid. And how he handled that. Chris, it doesn't matter whether there's money or not. He will handle this a little bit differently than some of the other players around the league because Chris is wired a little bit differently. Real quick, Ian, the other side of things, Niners. Um, Ayuk and and, and Chase Young, thoughts thoughts there? Because Brandon Ayuk is a number one wide receiver. Yes. Right. Now, he has another year in his deal. He's got the fifth-year option that was picked up. So he's got 2024 under contract. My understanding... Extension candidate, so when the 49ers want to keep home. Um, now, I mean, I saw his Instagram post. I think he wanted more targets in the Super Bowl. Definitely get it. Seemed more like social media frustration than anything else. You know, I look, I guess anybody could be traded, right? I mean, he's a really good player. Somebody would absolutely like him. Um, just seems to me that allowing homegrown talent to move on um, for no reason, you know, probably is not the way to do it. We'll, we'll see. But you know, that would be my sense there. Um, and then Chase Young came over in a trade, absolutely had some up and downs, did have a sack in the Super Bowl. You know, I don't get the sense this is someone they're going to be rushing to resign. Feels more like go out, test the market, see what's there, see if you liked it in San Francisco to, to come in. And my guess it ends up being a one-year deal, prove it deal, uh, which would be a good circumstance for him, no doubt. And talking about going out and testing the market, uh, Hassan Reddick, this was kind of Ooh. late news that we all are hearing of, of him going out and being uh, granted permission to seek a trade. I, I'm curious how he ties in to what's going on in Philadelphia. This is a guy that played at Temple from Philly, obviously loved playing at home. Is there is there any yeah. talk about the building uh, and, and or is this just Hassan specific because he's a, still a really, really good player, has right. somehow flown under the radar in a lot of people around the league's mind. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You're wondering if it's more like him or is he like trying to get out of Philly? I don't get the sense he's trying to get out of Philly. You know, mm. I don't get the sense he's like, okay. uh, this place is not for me. It's more business. It's He has played under a contract. At the time, it was a very, very good contra- contract. And he had 16 sacks or whatever it was. I think that was around 16 sacks last year. I think 10 mm-hmm. or 11 more this year. He is a great player. And my understanding, believes he deserves a new contract. Absolutely understand that. Everyone should get as much money as humanly possible. That is what started this conversation with Hassan Reddick is, can, if the Eagles are not going to you know, ante up and give him what he wants, will some team? I know there's interest. I know that there is interest. Oh, yeah. My sense is somebody absolutely will pay him what he wants. So mm-hmm. you know, him being like, I know he likes Philly. I know he likes the fans, all of that. There's the business side of it, and everyone should do as much as humanly possible to make as much money as they can. He's such a good player, Ian. I don't see why they wouldn't work something out. But like you said, there will be a market for Hassan Reddick. Ian, appreciate you taking out some time. Great stuff. Shedding some light on some of those things. And when we come back on the NFL report, could it be a Chiefs 3 P? Could the Niners get back? Who is the biggest threat to these Super Bowl teams? We'll tell you next on the NFL report. Pull the tape, LC. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
This is Trent McDuffie, All-Pro Corner with the Kansas City Chiefs, and this is the NFL Report. Welcome back to the NFL Report. As we close this up, it was funny. I saw a tweet, Steve, during the Super Bowl. Somebody put out, Every, you know, our team could really use a Trent McDuffie. And I responded, every team could really use a Trent yes, McDuffie. exactly. Uh, he's that good of a player. And speaking of Trent McDuffie and the Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs, Niners, Steve, in the Super Bowl this season, who could we potentially see knock one of these two teams out and find themselves in the Super Bowl next year? I'll have you go first. Whoa, I mean, this is tough because this was supposed to be the year where you got Kansas City, right? Where their their tackles mm-hmm. weren't great, they were getting penalized. The receivers aren't great, but let's look at you've got to go. You got to look at the Cincinnati Bengals because they have been a, a thorn mm-hmm. with the Chiefs. If Joey Burrow comes back healthy, now if they they've got to keep T Higgins to possibly be a part of that. We know he's set to hit free agency, and within the division, JP, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh and those Chargers. I don't have faith. I don't have faith in them going to the Super Bowl, but they are going to be a thorn. For the Chiefs, they're going to make it hard within the division. Okay, okay. I, I will say one. I mean, this is easy. This is an easy one. This is not a, a far stretch. The Baltimore Ravens played essentially uh, yeah. one bad half, uh, and they didn't get to the Super Bowl. The Ravens are still right there. We saw Lamar play at an unbelievably high level. We saw the defense play like the best defense in all of football. They're definitely still in the conversation. If we're going to go outside, like you said, with the Chargers making a big run in their first year with Jim Harbaugh as their head coach, I'm going to go with a team that had a run with their first-year head coach this season, and that's the Houston Texans for a few reasons. You are now a destination down there in Houston. You have D'Amico Ryans. You have C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. They swept NFL honors, Steve. They had the offensive and defensive rookies of the year, and now you have a boatload of salary cap space to go out and build around this young nucleus that we saw play so well. That is a team that won a playoff game when they lost more games than any team in football over the previous three. They could be the team that sneaks maybe, I don't know, into the Super Bowl. That would be wild. I still think the Bills are right there with the back half of the season, the way they played as well. If they can do that for the duration of a season, that would be uh, something that obviously we'd like to see out of Buffalo. There's a couple of show things you got to update us on here, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. We are now going to be going to 7 p.m. Eastern time, no longer 7.15, as you're seeing here on the promo. We will be back next Thursday coming up with Falcons general manager Terry Fontenot. How aggressive are they going to be going to get a quarterback, JP? And next Tuesday, not Monday, next Tuesday we'll be back because of the holiday. Please do not forget that this is a podcast. JP, enjoy the parade in Kansas City and dump a little something out for our guy, LC. That's right, buddy. That's right. I, we had a wonderful time in Vegas. Got a chance to see Steve quite a bit in person, not virtually. It's much preferred to see Steve Weich in person as opposed to over this camera. All right, guys. See you all on Thursday with Terry Fontenot. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 